0: Timing. Deuce, 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 deuce. deuce, deuce. <laughs> Gonna drop that dude. <laughs> Part dude.
1: It's gonna come out your butt sounding like. <laughs> Do you imagine that?
0: Like every time I went? Yeah. That's the noise that made. That'd be great. I'd go <laughs> often. <laughs>
1: it's
0: never that smooth. Because, you know, it breaks off. So it'd be like, we which just, just grunts in the middle.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> in case you're wondering, that's how I feel about this film. Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecas! Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the breadcrumbs Collective. This is Jonathan Foster, and I am here with my made boy, my little communion made boy,
0: in, <laughs> made in America.
1: Phil, it's a this is a made in America story. If you've ever seen one,
0: this is the made in America story, yeah. man. This is the this is the when I went to New York. This is the film I thought of looking at the Statue of Liberty, the American you know? Dream. I was like, ah, felt like little baby Vito, <laughs> just riddled <laughs> with smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> just making his way. It was just, just a boy. It, it was just a
1: boy. You know, he's got the smallpox.
0: Damn. How a young mute boy grew up to become Robert De Niro, one of the finest actors of
1: <laughs> How did he learn how to talk? I was always I was slightly confused by that. Like, when did he? Like, did was he it's actually he a mute talk. boy? Was he actually a mute boy? No, I think he. Or did done. his mom say that just to like save his life?
0: I see stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that was just me as a kid. I didn't talk much and I was really shy. I think if you didn't know me, you'd be like, yeah, that kid's like
1: ill or something. His own mom was trying to play him off like he's a simpleton though. And, you know, just like to save his life or something. I don't know. But then he grows up to be like the most powerful man in New York.
0: No, just little little. little, little, yeah, just little Italy. No one gives a shit. He dropped that. <laughs> he dropped that big dude on little early. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it. Yeah,
1: that new Kurt, Kurt Russell picture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> big dude on little early.
1: Yeah.
0: What what was that one? I don't actually know if it would connected, but it had the same title. Not big trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah, there's... Uh, something in Little... To- no, Little Trouble. Showdown in, in Little Tokyo. That's it. Does that have any connection?
1: No, yeah. I think it's probably just trying to catch in on that name. Uh, I think that was a, okay. a Brandon Lee film, I believe. Brandon Lee joint. Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren? Is he in
0: that? The Poet and Dude,
1: my head. Wow. Yeah,
0: you're like a Wikipedia <laughs> of like a pure night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Tough <laughs> like why why yeah, tough do fun. I need to know that? It's probably yeah. like something I maybe saw when I was a little kid, but like don't remember at all. And there's no reason for me to retain that knowledge at all. But hey, it's up there.
0: Yeah. My mind yeah, that's how my mind works in that I have a lot of useless knowledge regarding pop culture. Yeah. And I know it pushed valuable stuff out of my head, but I'll never know because it's gone. It's already gone. <laughs>
1: Man, this episode's starting off fantastic. Fantastic. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just sitting here like, what are we talking about? <laughs>
0: These people. What are talking showdown in Little Little, in Little, Tokyo. Little Tokyo, man. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to go back to your question, I'm fine. I might <laughs> have covid. I don't know.
1: Oh yeah, Phil has covid, maybe. <laughs> maybe. By the time this episode goes out, he'll probably be alive and healthy.
0: That feels like something we would drop just to bump up the ratings. Yeah. But we're like we're not you know, we're not sticking to it. Yeah. No it's like a cliffhanger. We're cut away right at the very last second. We don't know if I died in that explosion or not.
1: <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all you have to do is wait until next week. I mean I mean, you should listen to this. Go ahead and just keep listening. But, but um Phil's there next you're week. You're not gonna
0: get an answer. You're just not. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm at
0: home. Uh, you know, dusty has it, taking care of each other. Um, but I'm still testing negative. I'm just yeah. waiting for it.
1: And by the time our you next know. episode gets recorded, you'll be probably like out of the woods and it probably won't even come up, so <laughs> that's just by the <laughs> nature. Of, yeah, just by the nature of how we record these podcasts these days.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I was like I thought I thought, you know, I was like, oh, I should probably cancel, you know. You know, feeling kind of rough, feel like I'm about to yeah. get it, but I'm like, you know Jonathan did it in the middle of an illness, yeah, and you know
1: i I, I returned
0: the favor it's return you that did.
1: favor you get you gotta at least and truck you, through <laughs> for me
0: <laughs> I'm doing it,
1: yeah,
0: I'm feeling absolutely fine. You were like delusional, I forget what the episode one. It was it not in the West <sighs> flick. yeah,
1: was it life aquatic, yeah. I, it might have been. Last I was time. so I was so out of it. I remember like just breaking out in a, I felt, felt fine, fine, fine we, until
0: we were, <laughs> right before. And
1: I just like when start we breaking out in the sweat, in the, <laughs> and then you are just like, "Are you okay?" I, I like, remember no, no. <laughs> I was like, "Please end this, please! I want to die. <laughs> this is a bad idea."
0: <laughs> and I was just like, "This movie." But, you know, you couldn't leave because I was just bad in the movie and you had to stay there and defend it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Phil, guess what I went to see the other day? I don't know. What? I went to go see that play based on Jaws called The Shark is Broken. Oh. It sounds like I'm doing an ad or a bit, but actually I went to see it because Phil got (laughs) me tickets for Christmas. I was going to say, that
0: sounds great. Who got you those tickets? (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but how was it? was it was it good is it not about I thought it was like a behind the scenes not well kind of I figured it was like them hanging out while the shark had broken
1: yeah that's what it is they were so yeah it's like uh, oh, nailed it. yeah they were hanging out on which it was kind of cool because they were like in the boat like basically on the set which I don't know if that's where they actually hung out while they were waiting for the shark to be fixed <laughs> maybe they were maybe they weren't uh, but yeah, they were hanging out in the boat and uh, the set was awesome. Like I sent you a photo of it. It was really cool. And like mm. the the stage and the background were all like just like a uh, projection of like the ocean and like stuff. And it was projection. just like kind of cool, like looking like it You're was like mo- moving rocking. and stuff. And then like, you know, at one point, like a fucking sailboat goes by and it just reminded me of like it reminded me of the episode that we did of Jaws, which was like really Interesting and all the stuff they were bringing up were like things that like, you know, I found when I was you doing research already. and knew. It. So it was like it made it I, I, I was saying this to Julia is like, I really liked it because it was really good. But also, I don't know if like familiarity breeds like, you know, um, a attempt. liking to something, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> attempt, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I, show? I fucking love Shaw's. So it's easy t- for me to like. But, yeah, I can imagine I figured anyone would really like it. It was like, it was funny. It was good. Mm -hmm. Um, Jaws is, I guess like something that most people do know. I don't know if everyone likes it, Mm -hmm. but it's something that like,
0: do you need to know any, like beyond just the movie, you don't need to know like the backstage stuff to get into
1: it. Yeah. You don't need to know the backstage stuff, but I think it definitely would help to have an appreciation or knowledge of Jaws in itself. Um, Because. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I knew, I knew you'd love Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it maybe makes it a little bit better if you do know a little bit more about someone like a Robert Shaw or like Richard Dreyfus and all that sort of stuff. So it was really good. I mean, the guys who played Richard Dreyfus and uh, obviously Ian Shaw, the son of Robert Shaw, plays Robert Shaw and he's like, I'm going to say, how is he?
0: Insane. He looked a lot like him. And he do like a dead on impression of it? Yeah. Dad.
1: Like, well, it, it was funny because at the beginning it was almost like, oh, this is kind of like odd. I don't know if he was like playing his dad like in real life, but as soon as like he switched into having to, because occasionally they were doing things where they were like filming a scene or something and then like, you know, something would go wrong or whatever. So okay. w- whenever he went into character as Quint, it was like, holy shit, that's Quint. Like that's, that's spot Quint. on. Shaka Nawata. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck. Yeah. Cause they do the Indianapolis speech and they do the whole thing where you, I don't know if you remember from the, the Jaws episode. Where I was saying that like they filmed it once and he was just pissed. Like and he couldn't do it. He was just <laughs> way too drunk. And then they did it again and like later, and he was like completely sober and he nailed it like first try. I think that was sort of like mm-hmm. what they did in in the play, which was really awesome. The guy who played Richard Dreyfus was insane. Like he was just exactly it was like weird. The only person that was kind of off was the guy who played Brody, but like he, he sounded, he, it was funny, he looked like him, but he sounded like, uh, it, it reminded me, It sounded like one of the fucking voice actors from like the real Ghostbusters or something. Like it was really odd, like Wait, he just, trying. like, well, his voice was sort of that. sounding like this, you know, and I thought he could have been a great Ghostbusters or like a, you know, a, a great 90s <laughs> Get cartoon guy character voice yeah, it's not like a ninja turtle yeah it was very very yeah. odd like and it was just like that's not brody but okay this is interesting <laughs> we'll take it <laughs> i mean like the the two out of three an was an interesting take on it. exactly on on the money is it just
0: those three in the in the, yeah. In the play that yeah like there's Spielberg a or anything
1: yeah there's like a voice like uh this spielberg's voice every so often you know um from Off stage, or like I don't know if it's just piped in via like you know speakers or whatever, but like that's all. But it's just them. It's very minimalistic. It's really cool. It's like you know just the way it's done is really good. It's like it was so I appreciate it. I I, thank you very much. I felt like it was something kind of fun to talk about on this podcast because it reminded me of the Jaws episode. When have we ever
0: reviewed a play? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that you know I don't think I would have gotten you that ticket if I we hadn't done that episode.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jaws episode was a big thing. And I remember uh, we had talked about Jaws briefly once, um, me and Arianne, I believe. And then during COVID, during the lockdown, uh, you and I did a full-blown episode because uh, mama someone, jam. a mamma jammer, because someone named uh, <laughs> David Ricard was like, hey, man, like, come on, give us a full-blown Jaws episode. And we finally did it. He's also and someone. we gave in. He's been asking
0: for something else, Phil. Has he? Has he given us more money? He's, he's not been <laughs> giving Can't us he? any
1: money. So oh. maybe he should uh you know maybe think about that of what we're doing here today and that whole Jaws episode as well. And maybe consider going to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Uh. You know, maybe consider it, you know. If you like to support the podcast, <laughs> David, or anybody out there listening, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. <laughs> uh phil did you know we have a new 4k projector at the cinema i know we talked about it before but did you know that it's 4k did i know the no. cinema now did you know oh my it's god okay no it's in 4k now. Cinema. No. downstairs holy shit and that we're screening no. uh phil the go- the, the godfather did in the godfather, godfather <laughs> part two and the godfather and? coda the death of michael corleone a.k.a. Godfather 3, but a little bit more tidy.
0: Slightly better.
1: Oh, from their new 4K remasters? No? No? Well, ladies and gentlemen, way back no? when, in episode 42, just at the beginning of the pandemic, like seriously, mere days before the UK was going to go down into its first lockdown, a young naive, yeah. John and Phil, would discuss one of the greatest films of all time. It was francis ford coppola's 1972 crime masterpiece the godfather a lot of fun was had as Jonathan would lay the groundwork for their ongoing podcasting for the pandemic. partnership in the pandemic that was about to come and you know i felt like we not aged well <laughs> yeah it was very weird wasn't it um we were, yeah,
0: we didn't know. We I didn't mean, know. we kind of knew. We, we knew were joking it was at the yeah. defense mechanism. Yeah. We were like, oh it'd be fun. You know, we're gonna we're gonna close anyway. It could it was stuff like that. <laughs> we
1: had no idea that we really you know, were. Unless <laughs> <and it that, laughs> you the next week. And that it would be for so <laughs> long. The Next week.
0: Yeah. 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 So I just I wanted to go back and like strangle my former self. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But on the positive side, that episode was a really fun one. You and I had I think only oh, had, really like, funny. two two or three, like, solo episodes just you and I. Like, by that point, it was The Godfather, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day, and Amelie, I think. We, <laughs>
0: and we really started it to, just turned into an uncut gem episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: and But you were new to the pod, like, you know, hosting regularly on the podcast. So we were, like, just sort of filling out, like, you know, how we would, uh, you know, just be you and I on the podcast together. It was sort of building up that sort of relationship and rapport, which was really—I felt like we nailed it in *The Godfather* and always thought that was a great episode. But it's funny, like it just—it would turn into the pandemic. <laughs> we we're forced into.
0: Yeah, what might have been months we were allowed to continue.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I guess we would have done the same thing, right? Maybe, uh, to be honest, the oh, pandemic. Definitely. Yeah. Really opened the doors up to us, just having more time to be more insane. Well, if it was such a great episode, though, surely it would lend itself to a sequel, right? 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 Yeah, we did one, right? Wrong. <laughs> we, we would we would spend nearly two years neglecting, Avoid discuss avoiding the second part of the Godfather saga. <laughs> Countless fans would beg and plead, and they would petition. They would assemble countless. outside the hallowed halls of the Prince Charles Cinema, screaming, Vaccine passports is a medical apartheid! See you at the Nuremberg Trials 2.0! <coughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I was reading the wrong paper. I was say, that's what they were yelling about. <laughs> they were screaming, Please, give us the horse's head! We heard their screams, Phil. Yet we denied their wishes. Until now. Phil. Bring out the goddamn horse's head. Bring it out. Bring it out!
0: At the, at the motherfucking return. Return of the horse's head. Of the horse's head. Because. Part 2. Today we're talking about what <laughs> film, Phil? Il, il Pedrino. parte 2. <laughs> parte <laughs> 2. Is <laughs> The only due. <laughs> part with due. The due. the only bit that I didn't have a word yeah,
1: for. It might I'm be right. Like if I
0: do it with an accent, that'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pate due.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the continuation of the Godfather saga with two focuses. The ongoing story of the present-day Corleone family with Michael, played by Al Pacino, of course, leading the charge, and... It's been about seven years since the events that concluded The Godfather. Think we talked about the first um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the murders of the heads of the four New York, New Jersey families, the Corleone family has unassailable control of New York. The move to Nirvana went smoothly, and Michael Corleone controls several hotels and casinos in the state. Freak! Pentangeli, played by Michael Vigazzo, the man who runs Michael's interests in New York, comes to Michael asking if he can take out the Rosado brothers as they are infringing on Pentangeli's turf and business interests. However, the Rosados are backed by Hyman Roth, played by Lee Strasberg, a business partner of Michael's and a longtime ally of Michael's father, Vito Corleone. So Michael refuses. But an attempted assassination is... Carried out on Michael's life in his home, Michael investigates who is trying to kill him and, and suspects that there is a traitor in his family. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> it's always, it's always fills your. I it, do Phil. You broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael and Hyman Roth fly to Cuba to finalize some business deals there. The Cuban trip reveals all. In a story interwoven with the present day, we see the backstory of Vito Corleone, played by Robert De Niro. From how his parents and his brother were murdered by a Don in their hometown of Corleone in Sicily, to escaping as a boy to New York, his adult life, and his rise to Don Corleone. It's the 1974 epic crime sequel to The Godfather, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And once again, written by Francis Ford Coppola boy. and Mario boy. Puzo. There we go. That worked. Inapuno. <laughs> hot takes <laughs> out Fuck the you. gate, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> hot takes out the gate. The Godfather Part 2. Oh,
0: man. Hot hot take. I feel like <laughs> I remember I re-listened to the Godfather Part 1 episode. And I think we kept playing like. What, what can you say? what more I can think, you say? <laughs> That's literally how I feel now. It was like it yeah. was like a, it was just a lot of that it was a lot of like what can you fucking say about the Godfather It's like one of the greatest films ever made and Godfather part two is also one of the greatest films ever made it's yeah. fucking another masterpiece by Coppola and Co. Yeah um, it expands the world in really f- interesting uh, ways. And carried over all the best parts of the first one—the way it shot, the way it looked, the way it found, the cast, the f- like—it's so rich and justified in a like story and its themes. And like it, you can see why it has the reputation of one of the few equal to equal, if not better, the original. Mm-hmm. Because it just it feels so necessary and part of it's part two, it's literally it's the, it's like an extension of the next story. Yeah. Um, but also could, could just comfortably stand alone, just as part one stand alone. Um, but yeah, one more can you say it's fucking <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, just on that note as well, re listening to the old episode, I feel like I've gotten dumber. Yeah. We started doing this podcast because I was more engaged with the actual, like, spouting facts and stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel like we were both, like, doing it. And I was just like, oh, this. And this guy did this. And I was like, I name dropped the cinematographer. And I was like, I. (laughs) <laughs> and I've already forgotten who that yeah. is. <laughs> you know, but like yeah. I threw it offhand. Yeah. Two years I was listening ago. back to
1: that. I was kind of surprised by that more as well.
0: Space in my head. Yeah. I had more space in my head to like worry about that stuff. And all these like f- I didn't I didn't know any of this just trivia about the Godfather beyond that the horse and head were real. Um, <laughs> and like so just expect none of that. Yeah. I could barely deliver my own opinion, let alone interesting facts. <laughs> Now I have to
1: make up for it in, you know, humor. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, though. I was just like, man, I was funnier back then. Like just like quicker, quicker wit. You know, like quicker. Yeah, I don't know, man. I was, I feel like we have gotten dumber during the pandemic. Maybe
0: not worse. I'm blaming. Don't get me wrong. I'm blaming it's COVID. Sh- I think the show is better. <laughs> but, but something happened to my brain yeah. during COVID. I feel like. A caterpillar that turned into, yeah. like, a shit butterfly. But, like, you know, my my mind did turn into mush. Yeah. And then it reformed itself.
1: I believe that I actually did get dumber because I had COVID, and it <laughs> fucked my brain up a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, Can't yeah. wait. What's my excuse? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm only getting it now. Uh, was it like uh, hot take? What is it like when when a when a dad like starts to gain weight? Uh, because sympathy weight, yeah, sympathy. So yeah, you had sympathy, like
0: sympathy brain.
1: <laughs> so stupid. Sympathy, symp-
0: sympathy, not smooth brain.
1: Sympathy brain. <laughs> sympathy brain. He's just dumb. You got dumber.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he started to get dumb, and then I just got dumber to meet them. You know, I couldn't make I had him to get feel him the bad same with the same intellectual superiority. Exactly. We have to talk. It's like yeah. that. You know, Homer Homer Simpson needs the crayon in his nose; otherwise, he's just not himself. That's uh, what man. we're
1: like. Yeah. You know what? Like, I'm I'm with you. This is a great film. Godfather Part Two is. It's an awesome film
0: oh no it comes to but, but i like the first one more funny i like this one more but i think like i think it's just purely pr- preference yeah like it's i think quality wise i think it's pretty even but i just love the i like the dual storyline and i love seeing young vito that's what really fucking gets me going i think that's why i like this one
1: i think um For me, and this is kind of funny because I know it's like part of Coppola's idea, and we'll get into that in a bit. But like the dual story story storyline, I feel like maybe slightly slows the film down for me. Whereas in the first film, like I remember, and even Mm -hmm. listening back to the episode, we were talking about how the film just like yeah, it's long, but it fucking it feels like it books it books it a bit. Like it's like this 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 film's cooking. This is way slower, and
0: an hour, you're still at the communion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> just you're crazy. Like, Jesus Christ.
1: We watched it in parts because, like, we got to the – Julie and I got to the uh, the intermission. We were just like, I'm fucking tired, man. I'm just <laughs> going to watch this, you know, the next day or something.
0: But, you know,
1: it's, it's funny because I'm in – I've been in a kick of watching a lot of, like, films that have, like – it's either Coppola films or um, – you know, which I don't want to like spoil too much of what we've been watching because it will, I think, eventually become a thing on the podcast in in a couple of months or so. But uh, yeah. you know, so I've Get been used watching to the name. <laughs> so I've been watching like some Coppola films and films with like De Niro or or Pacino and stuff lately. So I've been in this like mood and all that, and it's been fun. Uh, Godfather Part Two is like definitely great, but I think what I would prefer what i would have preferred to see is maybe a just michael's story like with um, de niro. well no um i no i i fucking love al pacino as michael i think it's great yeah, I mean, I think, but
0: like de niro part of that story
1: oh uh maybe or just no i would have hmm. uh, what i was going to say is a young de niro as its separate story like a, sorry a young Vito with de niro oh as a separate story, just having room to breathe. Like that would have been an interesting story. Like to oh, see I how it really grows, it. to be honest, it reminded it, like it would have probably sort of reminded me of once upon a time in America, which I recently saw, um, you, you want to talk never about it? I, that was one that was on my, like had never seen list and I finally watched it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Kind of weird, <laughs> long. <laughs> long, it's long. It's fucking weird. There's a lot of like, just kind of like, Yeah. I don't know, like, kind of surprising. Not my favorite Leone film. Uh, I was really... Interesting. It's got some interesting music in it. Some, like, you know, awesome music. Uh, some interesting performances. Some good performances. Like, De Niro's great in it, but it's... There's some elements to it are a bit odd. And it's kind of... It's a bit, like... Right. um, A bit rapey, uh, basically. Uh. But it doesn't feel like... You know, if there's a shithead character in like a Scorsese film or something, like you get the idea that they're a shithead, like and mm. it feels like Scorsese's do like that. openly telling you like this guy's a piece of shit. And even in this film, The Godfather Part Two, like, you know, Michael, like the way it's told, it just feels like, you know, like you, you get to the end and Michael's like fucking just like his dad. He's burdened by all the power. And he's fucking but that's, alone.
0: Yeah, that's, but that's what's beautiful about those parallel story. It's a rise and fall at the same time and it's someone becoming part of a community and the other person falling.
1: I do, I do like that and I appreciate that. I think it's just you don't get enough room to breathe in some of, like, e- it's like either or. Like Michael's sure, story, sure. you don't get enough room to breathe because of, like, you know, t- to be honest, you know what could have been good? Take, Elements like take out like the the young Vito stuff from this film and just make it the third film or whatever or or that could have been the second film Vito's rise to power and then the third film is literally oh. Godfather Part Two plus the best bits of Part into oh, Three into yeah. one take out we could do that because it's like forty six minutes or something of of young Vito
0: it could it's almost a movie yeah, yeah.
1: fill in the time gap yeah. And just give him room to breathe, grow, like, see more of his childhood of what happened, how he got to, like, you know, to manhood. Cause you just skip all that, really. You don't even see, like, yeah, what happens.
0: A, he's nine and then he's like 20 something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And then you could see a little bit of his rise into power, which would have been more, like, I feel like a l- interesting sort of tell. And then you kind of know what happens in The Godfather. But then, like, Part three, like I actually did finally watch uh, part three fully, but Coda?
0: it was Coda or OG. It was Coda. Okay. And I let me just say,
1: I was able to get through it finally. I've not been no. able to get through part three <laughs> just by itself. <laughs> Coda was
0: actually pretty decent. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you what you think. Yeah. That's, a, that's another episode into you
1: yeah two years time we'll get to that but yeah no i other otherwise you know it's fucking godfather part two it is great it's a great film i, I just feel like mm. for me personally my taste always uh and maybe it is maybe i've seen the first one more or whatever but it's just like i like it more but yeah no, but
0: dude i'm um, now that you've said that i'm so fucking down for that i wish that's how they did it <laughs> like i said i l- I love the young Vito stuff. So if they were like, yeah, yeah we're just going to do a whole movie of that. Just that, just like 30s New York, love that stuff. And then part three is the fall of Michael Corleone. Yeah. And yeah, you incorporate the best of two and three and him losing everything. I think it'd be fucking great. We're just rewriting history now.
1: FFC. If you want to see, you, <laughs> <laughs> you want to see sort of He's like coming maybe back. what it could have been. Uh, you could watch once upon a time in America, but it's just, uh, <laughs> It's a bit rapey. Just letting you know, (laughs)
0: that would that would be your review (laughs) on the Bit
1: bit rapey.
0: (laughs) Four stars. (laughs) It's good though. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Bit rapey. That's most, to be, to be honest, uh, that's most shit from the 70s.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just surprised. You're like, why I, is this in there? Yeah, I love Leone and films. I love, like, his Spaghetti Western films and stuff. And I'm just sitting there, like, geared up, and like, yeah, cool. Like, an American, New York, like, you know, sort of slightly mafia-esque mafia-esque film, you know, like, you know, it's uh, young crime, young kids getting into crime mm-hmm. and growing up, and, it, the like, the first part of it just feels like a very rapey, bugsy <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it, like, they grow up and they're just, like, rapey godfather, Still. you know, it's like Jesus Christ uh, yeah
0: Um, <laughs> that's even better <laughs> it's like a rapey, bugsy Malone but with less, less pies. Yeah, less
1: pies. Well, there's pies, just not the pies you're used oh. to in Oh, love. no. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: my God. Jesus Christ. You just cut the episode there, man.
1: <laughs> well, there's no horse's heads to laugh about. Like, what are we going to talk about? No horse There's no, no horse. No we have
0: cream pies. Cream pies.
1: I'm so fucking annoyed there was no horse. There was a horse statue. At one point, I was like, there's the horse's head. There's my boy. That's a boy. Right there. I just snap in the. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh. But yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, oh. There it is. This film definitely it needed a horse's head. The haunted
0: head looms over it. You know, it's like death. You know, death <laughs> is like casting a shadow over this film. Yeah. But I just took that to be in the horse and head. You know, at any moment, anyone could get the horse and head. <laughs> yeah. They don't even know it. They don't even know. They, it. you know, innocently go into a meeting and then suddenly, whoa. Yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> it comes in many forms. It comes, it comes with a gunshot. It comes with you know, piano wire around the neck. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want.
1: I mean, to be honest, like, that's what Michael should have done to Fredo. I'm just saying. Like. A lot more humiliating, like, than, you know, just killing. You ever seen a horse go fishing? (laughs) (laughs) You're about, and he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's just like Al Neary just sitting behind him, just like. (laughs) (laughs) Credit. (laughs) Hey, Mikey, what is this? (laughs) Just like, just promise we won't put the horse's head on him until my mother passes away. While my mother's still alive, don't give Fredo the horse's head. <laughs> Al Pacino is hilarious, right? Like the way he speaks in the Godfather films is just like insane. I was reading something about Al Pacino, just like where my wife Well <laughs> <laughs> He's like he's he he. Apparently, we'll, we'll get into it. He Apparently, was a bit a bit of a a handful when they were making this film. Oh really? Yeah, and I think it dealt a lot with his like anxieties and stuff that he was having, and it was like hard to get into the character and all that. And there was a lot of issues with the first film. You remember we were talking about how uh, they didn't want him—they wanted be to fire him in the film. Every were, step. Yeah, yeah. They were just like want to fire him, get rid of him. And I think one of the things was they didn't understand what he was doing with the character. And even Coppola was like, "I don't, uh, I don't really get what you're doing here." And then I think like it was the scene where he kills McCluskey and uh, I forget his name, the other guy uh, in the restaurant. And that was like, when it clicked, they were like, yes, like this, this is the guy he's Michael. It works. But like, it, it just like was really funny. I was reading into that and I was just thinking about like, Pacino's voice and the way he, like, acts in these films, and I can almost see it, because it's like, so unlike, like, Pacino. Maybe you get the face a little bit in some of his films, like, you know, Serpico or something like that. You get the face. Mm. But, like, Pacino is so, like, kind of talks like this in this film, you know, you really broke my heart. Fred. You know, very, very Fred. He, he talks
0: like, th- but then I'm he can get, he can soft. get a bit, he can, he can get a bit, he can get a bit angry. He can get angry. <gasps> and then you will
1: talk like this.
0: And you're like, ben, Pacino.
1: It's yeah, it's so, it's so Ooh-ha. like dialed back here. But then you like, I was watching Heat last night and it, the whole film, he's like, it's yes, because he's got a fat ass, yeah. yeah. you like that fat ass? Oh, something about the masses when I see the masses. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. He's like, is Pacino good? Oh, it's like Bugsy Malone in here.
1: <laughs> it's like Bugsy Malone, but it might be.
0: <laughs> you got it, Leone. <laughs> it's like, um, is Vecito actually good? Is good? good? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm He's amazing. not even like gonna even yeah. have that conversation, yeah. but his voice does change yeah. at some point. Whether it's just him going up, I think the movie that breaks him, <laughs> I think it's Son of a Woman. Son of a Woman, it's something that there's, there's a movie where he literally, it's the first time he does the whole performance like that with the big voice like this, constantly yelling. And that's what wanted him yeah. the Oscar. And he just never yeah. stopped doing it after that. And you forget he that. A, he sort of did it like, in Serpent. Really high pitched, really soft spoken.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's only when he gets angry. Yeah. yeah, It made sense. He's not, now it's just that him the whole time. Yeah. That's like, that he has one level and it's fucking 11. You know, he turns that shit up to 11 We here it has, Leveled. I love how he played Michael. I think it. Yeah, no, I do too. Awkward I'm, and weird, but that's the point. I,
1: I was more so talking about later Pagano.
0: <laughs> oh <yes>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think Michael is meant to be an awkward fit. It yeah. meant to be this guy. We hadn't had He's in the chair, but he's not there yet. Yeah. He's not his father, mm-hmm. and he's pretending to be this guy, although he's very smart the whole film is predicated on a hit and he doesn't see it coming, but he figured that out pretty fucking quick. Yeah. I think. Um, but it, it, it that by the end, he's not pretending anymore.
1: Yeah. that
0: That's how I read it. I love,
1: yeah. I love like that because it is like sort of, it is sort of like he was never meant to be there. And we were talking about in that last mm. episode, uh, if you guys want to go back to episode 42, we were talking about how Michael was like, he's, He's not meant to be there. It wasn't supposed to be him. It was supposed to be Sonny, and then like Fredo would have been. And next, they doubled but down. Fredo couldn't on that,
0: be in the young Fredo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because he's too just, too stupid. He's too stupid. And then Michael yeah. was just like he was fucking just rushed into it, but he was he was good at it. He was really good at it, you know. Okay. And it was sort We're of to fucking do it. You see, you see it in this film, and you see how he becomes. More and more like his father, in and in certain ways. But also, this is a very interesting thing because we were talking about this off air about like uh, ch- children of famous directors. Uh, leave leave that mm-hmm. into the ether the out there. Uh, the children of yeah. men.
0: <laughs> the children like, of the children of famous men. But so, like yeah.
1: you get to see the rise, the rise <laughs> of this family and the fall of this family uh, in this film and how they're crossing and everything. Because Michael actually does kind of fuck up everything in a weird way, like done is it is it just yeah. like which i'll get into a little Tragic. bit which could could have have to do with like a little bit of maybe just uh the lifestyle in general couldn't be kept up or was it michael trying to legitimize things to kind of fuck things up or was it like uh living a like you know it's, it's over trying, excess, You know, there's so
0: much at play yeah. yeah there's so much happening and like like we mentioned on licorice pizza but FFC does it well, again, using, I mean, more part of the plot, but, like, the historic background, the Cuban Revolution, um, stuff like that, like, yeah, like the investigation into organized crime, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, the backdrop, and, like, the introduction of drugs, which, as we all know from history and movies, it's sort of of the end of that thing, of Mm -hmm. the Costa Nostra in America. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just him trying to be something he's not and trying to stretch out, you know, yeah, overstretch their hand. Mm-hmm. But he wants to be legitimate. That's his promise to Kay. And it's, it's a good endeavor. It's something that would secure the family. And it would mean, you know, not having to hide and play games and, you know, kill. Yeah. To, to, to do it. But he seems to be aware that there's hypocrisy on both sides. Yeah. I don't know what you're trying to be.
1: I think it's also kind of interesting how it's like. Does Michael actually really want it to be legitimate? Like, is there sort of a, um, a weird thrill of like being, you know, naughty, or be, you know, to be, to be a, to be a bad guy, to be like, you know, uh doing cool illegal things, him, right? And, yeah,
0: it's the calling. It's like Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the Answer 2015 the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> answer the call he can't help yeah. it he doesn't want to be the godfather yeah. but he's yeah. called to it and ironically and they do you know they do cement it here Tom is the best of them yeah Tom is the guy to go to and shit hit the fan but he never gets it due yeah and that's what the third one was supposed to be about again I talk about that profusely in, the, in episode 42
1: yeah it's a shame well, I guess and if we have seen three
0: now so we ever kind of know what that story yeah. should have been, could have been.
1: If we ever get to what that one day, we'll talk about, you know, how someone just didn't get paid enough. <laughs> That's literally what it comes down to.
0: Oh, man. There wasn't enough uh,
1: pie on the mask. <laughs> uh, well, Mario Puzo began working on the script for Godfather Part Two in December 1971, before the first film was even released. And he worked on it with the initial title of The Death of Michael Corleone, which became Mm. the actual title later on for Godfather Part 3, which, you know, if anyone doesn't know, that was meant to be the Godfather coda, which the coda is sort of an end piece of a musical number, which Coppola wanted to use Mm. to end off his trilogy, um, which was more so supposed to be just sort of the end of Part 2. So, yeah, it was... It was Coppola's idea to juxtapose the ascension of the family under Vito with the decline of the family under uh, his son Michael. He said that I always wanted to write a screenplay that told the story of a father and the son and a son at the same age. They were both in their thirties, and I would integrate the two stories in order not to merely make Godfather one over again. I gave Godfather two this double structure by extending the story in both the past and in the present. Oh my God. after the godfather's tumultuous uh, production particularly with his battles with producer Robert Evans and given that the first film tied up you know the original aspects of the story uh, Francis Ford Coppola wasn't really all that excited about diving back into the world of the Corleone family but the studio wanted a sequel so Coppola suggested that they hire up and comer Martin Scorsese as the he was fresh off could of Mean imagine? Streets to direct the sequel saying that I knew this was a really smart idea. He was such a natural. Like, fuck dude, could you, oh, oh, man. Could you imagine oh. Crusades doing this? That would yeah. have been
0: insane. Yeah. I mean there's a few then the few people here that end up in Goodfellas, which yeah. is kinda cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Especially in <laughs> the early days of uh the the young Vito scenes.
0: Yeah, his friend who takes him to the to the show.
1: Yeah. The yeah, guy yeah, with yeah. the hair. The guy
0: from Wedding Singer.
1: Yeah, the guy with the <laughs> the eyebrows.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Leave the coffee maker, you dub, w- you Disney motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> good
1: Goodfellas joke. So good. <laughs> Goodfellas is so good. That's oh, oh, perfect yeah. movie. Which just too Goodfellas. Yeah. Paramount <laughs> picture Hey, dude, Goodfellas had the horses head. I'm just saying. <laughs> come on. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just, just throwing it out. There. Even like this film didn't <laughs> need to have a horse's head in the film, but just like someone playing a gag leaving a horse's head outside of someone's door or something. It's all I need it. That's all I need it.
0: I, I just want you to be like, look, I love this movie. Masterpiece, Nothing wrong with it. But no horse's head. Two stars. <laughs> <laughs> two stars. <laughs> two stars. <laughs> uh, One for each horse's head I wanted.
1: <laughs> Paramount Pictures disagreed uh, with the whole idea of Martin Scorsese. And eventually they got Coppola to direct it by offering him artistic freedom to create the enduring classic about organized crime, family loyalty, and the American dream. They also agreed to pay the director, the outrageous sum of at the time, $1 million for his services, which Coppola had asked for as a bluff, which I think, you know, if you want to adjust that for inflation, it would have been about five million or something. So, yeah,
0: good for him. Good for him. Earned every fucking penny.
1: I mean, good for Coppola in general. He's had like such a interesting career of like doing his whole thing with America Zoetrope, going out of fucking business with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. you know, just really struggling financially, and then just like saying, "Fuck Becoming it, up. A, I'm going to
0: buy a winery." I go to wine <laughs> and become yeah. one of the most. I'm going to use the profit from yeah. that.
1: The richest fucking winery, like people, like in California, and he recently sold it too, didn't he? And then I think that's what you're he wanted to that, use for Megalopolis. He's gonna make a movie. Yeah,
0: he's coming. But I'm so excited.
1: Amazing. I hope that films good.
0: I hope it's good. I think it will be, dude. I like Jack.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I I like Jack as well. Jack is great, but I think there's been some recent Coppola films. Like I I think I saw like. Does he tetro? It was like, it was a couple I would seen recently from like, you know, the late to mid 2000s that are just kind of Meh. He needs to come back full, strong, full, like, just fucking full huge. Kill. Just
0: full chump.
1: Huge,
0: huge, <laughs> huge, haunted head between the legs.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, several actors from the first film didn't return for the sequel, notably Marlon Brando. Coppola had originally wanted Brando to reprise his role as Vito dead. Corleone. Um, oh, yeah he he even he even wanted him to play the younger version of the character, which is surprising. But they did age him they up. They did age him up quite a bit, so, so
0: that it could have um, could have worked.
1: A letter surfaced in 2019 that Coppola had written. Marlon Brando stating that he couldn't make the Godfather part two without him. He was actually going to going to bat for Marlon against the producers because the producers just really, you know, weren't into Brando. You know, we, we talked about Mm. in the first film, how hard it was for him to even get Brando in the film. But I think it was still, he had such a poor relationship with them that he was just like not interested in doing it. But the letter actually may have worked because Brando did eventually agree to return For the birthday flashback sequence, so he was supposed to be in the flashback scene at the end of the film, but he was Mm -hmm. feeling mistreated by Paramount and the producers, and he just failed to show up for the single day's shooting. He just didn't turn up.
0: Literally, one day (laughs) couldn't do it. (laughs) Classic Brando.
1: I think it was kind of nice how they did it because it was a lot about the kids in that film, and like you didn't really need him to be there. You know, and they just they go off the screen. Yeah. Yeah, left alone.
0: Both both film both films in this film end the same way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Vito, the way Vito dies in the first film is like he's left alone, basically, like he's just in the garden. And it's interesting how they pick that up in part three as well, which we'll get to eventually someday. Two years. Um, <laughs> no promises. James Caan did agree to show up. Uh, to reprise the role of Sonny in the birthday flashback sequence, but he demanded it to be paid the same amount that he received for the entire previous film for the single scene, and he actually did receive that. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Amazing.
0: The star power.
1: Also, Al Pacino, of course, returns as Michael Corleone, but mm-hmm. poor Al didn't get no love in that first film, did he? The producers, they didn't want him in the role. The Academy didn't nominate him for best actor, but they nominated him for best supporting actor instead, despite him leading most of the film. Well, now Al Pacino, he's proven to be a star. He quickly followed up Godfather with his legendary role in Serpico, and Pacino was ready to fight back. because production nearly had to end. Before it even began, because Al Pacino's lawyers told Coppola that he had grave misgivings about the script and that he was not coming. (laughs) And then, like, (laughs) Coppola had to spend an entire night rewriting it before Pacino, like, basically would agree to do it. He
0: would put his foot down.
1: Yeah, basically. He, He said later that he didn't actually dislike the script when he read it at first. It was just that he knew it could be better.
0: Oh, I thought it was like a, it's like a power play. No, oh, it's just a starting domino. Like, you guys fucked yeah. me around last time. And I'm just yeah. showing you that I am an equal part in this endeavor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, as a sign of his ascent into the big time, Al Pacino was paid $500,000 plus a 10% share of the profits for this film. Good deal. Fucking hell. And he had earned a mere $25,000 for the first film two years earlier. So. <laughs> That's insane. Damn, son. Yeah. Like I said, he was having problems throughout the production. He demanded, like, you know, the salary, the massive salary. He also was demanding a lot of script rewrites. And I think probably even while they were filming, maybe some bits here and there.
0: Mm. And
1: he frequently complained about Francis Ford Coppola's slow pace, yelling, Serpico only took 19 days. And he threatened to quit (laughs) it. He trying to quit a lot of family.
0: Yeah, Good Father Two is like 3 hours long, dude. Yeah. It takes time like give it you give it a, you know, give it a we few We got to film this 19 thing, you know? days. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Adaka. 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 He's just running I don't give around a fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up the pace. Adaka. <laughs> he fucking locked his mind he also caused filming delays of his own because he developed pneumonia while they were filming in santo domingo like so yeah he was he, he basically delayed the production for a whole month because of that so it's like he's doing it to himself and uh mm-hmm. yeah like I, I said years later he did admit that he was going through a really dark time mentally so he was trying to prepare for the role and it was just like you know, was really difficult. He couldn't get into it. And yeah. then he just wasn't very happy during the time. So Fair enough. yeah, All right. I can, I can understand that. Robert De Niro is young Vito Corleone. As we mentioned Bobby in the G. episode <laughs> for the first film, Robert De Niro actually went out for the role of Sonny before he ultimately, uh, before that ultimately went to James Caan. But De Niro was given the smaller role of Paul Gatto or Pauly, who was Don Corleone's driver. Who was sick the day that Corleone was ambushed and they end up killing him. Um, but yeah, he dropped out so he could take over the leading role that Pacino had vacated to play Michael. And this in, in the first Godfather film in the film called the Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. So De Niro just wasn't in it. Thank God. That was
0: the. Uh, I would remember yeah. it had a really dumb title, and I was like, "It's like the music, <laughs> right? It's like the music." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm imagining that film to be. A bunch of like, it's like a musical, but with like, gun. Yeah. Like, Bugged Me Alone, but less rapey.
1: The less rapey. <laughs> De Niro spent months learning the Sicilian dialect in order to play the role of Vito, and he only speaks 17 words of English in the film. He's, he's yeah. great in this film. He's
0: brilliant. He's so understated.
1: Yeah, I I feel like there's not enough of him though. I've, like that's why I kind of meant like I, I whole I movie want more room yeah, right. for him to breathe because it's like you give him an Oscar and it's like I feel like you barely see him in the film. Um, he's so yeah, so
0: good know. in it. So good. Yeah, like he got that accent. He like scene
1: where he's like running across like the whole chase thing where he's going after Finucci or whatever. It's just like such a cool scene going on, the on the rooftops and then just like With the part? Yeah, coming in and then like uh, even like how they they mirror so much of of like the first film, like, you know, when he shoots the guy in the face and stuff. And it's like, uh, it, it, mirrors, oh, yeah. it's similar to like when Michael kills like McCluskey and stuff, but then it's also, it's also very similar to how, uh, Travis Bickle kills, um, like, in in uh, Taxi Driver, like, kills, like, in the final sequence mm. where he kills the cop, he shoots him in the face, and then he shoots uh, the pimp, uh, Harvey Keitel's character, like, in the chest Harvey or Ketel. something. It's Or, or like, no, yeah, in his yeah. mouth. He sticks the gun in his mouth and blows him. Like, yeah. That him away. Oh so brutal, yeah. man.
0: He's like that dude's already dead. Like yeah. and it's such a harsh death scene. He gets shot in the chest, and he's like ripped off his clothes, like almost in disbelief. They get shot in the cheek. And then he just yeah. bends down, shoots him in the fucking mouth, and just kicks <laughs> him over. Yeah. And the fucking thing is on fire when he's doing it. Yeah. No, he just he's, yeah. he's so good. Yeah, I would love more of De Niro. It's very authentic. Yeah. yeah, the the accent, the like the mannerisms are very rando. He's got that soft, you know, that sort of raspy voice. Yeah. I barely barely even noticed the English. It was like a lot of just, yeah, sure. Like, it's very, very minimal. You like it, Um, yeah. Just great, yeah. wanted more of it. Michael, Mm, look. My wife would like it.
1: Look, Michael. (laughs)
0: Yeah, It's good, Michael. Ah, look.
1: Hey, look, Michael. It's just, yeah. (laughs) That's pretty good. Look. (laughs) Uh, Robert Duvall is back as Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen's... Oh man, Duval so good. Like, so so good. He's so good. Oh no, just like in
0: particular the bit where after the hit goes out on Michael, and if Michael but telling him what he wants to hear, basically mm. just like you know, I thought I think of you like a brother. I trust you and I love you, and like that's why I haven't had you in those rooms because now I know you're the only person I can trust. And just hit the faith there, like it's such a genuine reaction of like.
1: Oh, I always like, wanted to that's hear that. All eh? I wanted yeah. to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always yeah. wanted to be it's thought just of. So, as it's a so brother. sweet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It just
0: seemed like the most likable dude there. Yeah. Like you want to hang out with Tom Hagen.
1: Yeah, it's 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 just sad because he's like in the first film you you like learn so much about like how he was he was brought in, in and he just like, you know, was treated like a family member and he was one of the brothers, but because mm-hmm. he was Italian, like he wasn't Italian, he wasn't actually by blood. Mm-hmm. He was never like really properly treated. The yeah. He's the bastard boy, mm-hmm. even though he's just, you know,
0: worse, worse than a bastard. Dude. You're an
1: awful, <laughs> You're an awful <laughs> bastard awful from a basket. Drainage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Tom. Yeah. No, yeah. he's great. In an early version of the script, there was going to be this ongoing storyline about Tom having an affair with Sunny's uh, widow, and that was like later discarded. But there was there was the line where Michael tells you know Tom and, Tom that he could take his wife, his children, and his mistress to Las Vegas, and they kept that in the in the script. But yeah, there's a lot of like nastiness like that Michael throws at Tom, so I could see how he would like want that. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of nastiness, mm. uh, Diane Keaton pff, reprises her role as Kay. I remember saying in that first that first uh, episode that like you you know Diane Keaton is inc- she's such an incredible actress and you just like you want more of her. She's so good, and you get more in this mm. film, and you get even more. I feel like in part three, it's like it's such an evolution. Yeah, but that's still not a lot. Still not a lot. Even yeah. even, even in this one, still yeah. not a lot. Um, yeah. Towards She's the great. end, you get a lot. Yeah, you know,
0: obviously, she makes a big decision at DM. Yeah, but, good
1: owner though. Fuck yeah. Michael, <laughs> like he's an asshole. Oh yeah,
0: she knows. <laughs> yeah. At that point, she knows that he's full of shit and yeah. that he's never going to go straight, and he's just destroying the fucking family.
1: Yeah, I. It's funny. I I genuinely actually forgot about the the whole twist that like, okay, she has a miscarriage. Michael finds out she has a miscarriage. And in my head, I was just like, it was probably an abortion. Actually. Why would she fucking want to actually carry his baby and stuff? But then it like happens. And I forget. I'm like, Oh yeah, so it was it. an abortion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know this. This is pretty interesting. So originally Kay was truly supposed to have a miscarriage and it was uh Coppola's sister, Talia Shire plays Connie Corleone in the film, She's Back, uh, that suggested that Kay would have an abortion instead as the ultimate way to hurt Michael.
0: Yeah, could he want that baby boy, another baby boy.
1: And Francis Ford Coppola was like, "This, that's a great idea. And to thank her for that idea, he wrote in the whole scene where she tearfully asked Michael to forgive Fredo. So there's a whole thing with like Connie sort of having this evolution, which I, I, I thought I was going to have to do a bit of like – She's your sister. Plot hole. She's your sister. Oh.
0: <laughs> she's just yeah, it's very Scarface. Yeah, because like because she like comes, she
1: she comes like full circle where she's like <laughs> at the beginning of the film she's just like Michael ruined her life basically by killing Carlo even though Carlo yeah. was a piece of shit but
0: but she goes off yeah like her at the beginning of this movie I find her such an interesting character yeah because she's on the side you don't really see but you see the, the Drastic change. Yeah. That her life was completely ruined at the end of the last movie. Her father died, uh, you know, she got divorced and she comes in just like this, like drunken, like <laughs> Las Vegas, <laughs> fucking like a starlet almost. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Like smoking and drinking and like just going from guy to guy, not really giving a shit. Yeah. So she had a really interesting
1: art yeah. from there to this scene. Yeah. And this is her, like, basically just like, I want to take care of you, Michael. I want to take care of you. I want to be like, you know, and just basically devoting her, the rest of her life to uh-huh. basically being there for Michael, almost like the the mother mm-hmm. figure, which is just like, that sucks, man. That sucks. But she's crazy. She's crazy. You get into she, that next film. Actually- Holy yeah. shit.
0: <laughs> uh, no, but I want, I want it to happen in this film during that scene. You know, she tearfully begging for Michael' forgiveness and consideration she's like on her knees you know wrapped around his leg just tears streaming down his face and she's looking down and he just slowly puts the horse in head <laughs> over her <laughs> and like starts petting it and he's just like I'm sorry and then she leaves she, it's a good. She just good sat
1: there. Good the con. Oh man, John Cazali Is Fredo. <sighs> Fredo the traitor. Fredo.
0: God Poor damn. Fredo. He's just such a bad fucking character. Yeah. Man. Like he's just all, just all the worst aspect of, and the best aspect. Cause he's not. He's not like a vicious person. Yeah. He's just. He's dumb and he's scared and he. Yeah, easily manipulated, but he doesn't have the killer instinct like Michael does. But he still, he's weak. Yeah, end up fucking, he's weak, weak yeah. and stupid. That the he,
1: I mean, you he's know, he bad, he man. like he's just sad to watch. You know, he gets walked over a lot. Like in the first film, you have the whole issue with like
0: <laughs> fumbling over the gun and shit. yeah,
1: and, and he gets he gets like you know bullied by uh, the people at the casino, and he's just a joke. And then mm. in this film, he's he's getting like, you know, bullied by the wife, by his wife, and just emasculated, and just like, yeah, it just seems like just a joke. Ross
0: and Hitman. yeah. Man.
1: So yeah, yeah. Uh, the it's it's funny because it's one of those things I feel like you could almost like not really pay attention to it, and like the clue that that gives away that you know Fredo's a traitor it was just like Michael's introducing Hyman Ross's men, Johnny. Johnny. Ola who is played by Dominic Chianci who's a Corrado (laughs) Jr. Soprano from The Sopranos which is great. It's like I always forget that he's in this. It's like shit. So he introduces him to Fredo and then the two act like they've never met before but then like later they're at that sleazy nightclub in Cuba and Fredo lets it slip that he uh, Mm. was introduced to the place by Gianniola and Michael's face is just like
0: (sighs) And he knows (laughs) <laughs> you know, right then, in there, yeah.
1: you son of a bitch, Fredo. I want, and then
0: in like, "I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna put you on a boat. I put you on a sailboat to China, bro. <laughs> fucking, You're fucking done.
1: Put that horse You're in Fucking <laughs> done, <laughs>
0: bro. I don't care how fucking weighted <laughs> <Come> it <on, laughs> out there.
1: <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> try swimming in that asshole. <laughs> After Michael Corleone finds out that Fredo, his own brother. Was the traitor. Fredo protested. He didn't know that it was going to be a hit. But the tip off to Michael. Matter. That it was going to be a hit. And the thing that saved his life was that when Kay asked him why the bedroom drapes were open. Drape. Uh, it tipped Michael off the split second that knew he needed to get to cover to save their lives. And then the traitor would have had to be the person who left the drapes open. And the only possible reason to leave the drapes open was to give an assassin a clear shot when Michael was visible in the bedroom. So Fredo definitely knew that it was going to be a hit. He had to have known. Yeah. Unless he's that dumb.
0: Oh, I just thought they wanted to look at you. They wanted (laughs) to take a picture. He
1: might be that dumb.
0: You see that mustache? Dumb.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like two people in the world have that mustache. It's Fredo and John Waters. And John Waters can pull it off. And Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Yeah, that's true. And the first, was, yeah. He just wants to, trying to be like, be like, his, like dad. his dad. Yeah. That's the He'll thing. That's what's bad. Like you can see, like, trying to be a tough guy like his dad. And he's just not. <laughs> he <just> can't be. <laughs> Overcompensating. Uh, so, Puzo yeah. and Coppola actually disagreed over whether Michael would have Fredo killed. Puzo only agreed on the condition that Michael would wait until after their mother was dead.
0: But that's such a weird caveat. It's interesting, but it's it's weird because as soon as... I mean, it makes sense, but it's like he only said it for it to happen. Yeah. So now we know. You know, as soon as he said that, that, you're like, okay, well, she'll die. Of course she's going to die. I mean, everyone
1: dies, Phil. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, no, of course, but she's going (laughs) to die like imminently and then Fredo will die. You know, like it's just, it's a weird setup and immediate payoff.
1: Uh, The shooting script actually included a scene which... uh, They did begin to shoot until they ran out of light, and then they just didn't have time, I guess, or money to come back to it. With an older diabetic Michael talking to an 18 year old Anthony, who was telling his father that he didn't want to follow in his father's footsteps and that he was leaving the family. This discarded scene also included Connie telling, uh, or Connie saying that Fredo had drowned in the lake. And that these ideas, like, you know, would later be picked up in Godfather Part 3. So it's interesting. He had those ideas back then. It just couldn't Mm. be fleshed out properly. Materialized. Yeah. Too much here. But yeah, you know, sadly, we, we mentioned it last time. John Cazale, he passed away in 1978 at the age of 42 from lung cancer. And he only appeared in five feature films, all of which were either with Coppola, Pacino, or De Niro. And those films were <laughs> The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two, and The Deer Hunter. And all of them were nominated for Best Picture. Dog,
0: Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah. Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon?
1: Yeah. I've left, left that one out. Sorry. But yeah. Dog Day Afternoon as well. But all really? of those, even Dog Day Afternoon, were nominated for Best Picture. Which is crazy. Dick.
0: What a career. That's like a Jimmy Dean career. I know? didn't
1: know he was with uh, Meryl Streep as well. Like. Yeah. And she yeah, like yeah. was with him, him on, that on his deathbed, basically. That's so sad. Yeah. Uh Richard S. Castellano, who played Peter Clemenza in the first film, was also he also declined to appear in the sequel. Castellano apparently had some issues with his salary, and he, he apparently was like the highest paid actor in the first Godfather film, and he demanded that, you know he'd have more money in this film. And he also demanded that he'd be able to write some of the characters dialogue in the film. Dude, relax. <laughs> he came up with the whole line about like, don't for like, like, you know, what is it? Leave the cannoli or leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Like he came up with that line. Yeah. So he was like, Oh, I, you know, I guess that's the most classic line from that. I'm first film. Now. I'm a writer. Uh, apparently he also refused to regain 50 pounds that he would have needed to play the role of, yeah. Clemenza because of uh, health reasons. So instead of having a thinner Clemenza, uh, Coppola wrote that the character had died, and he replaced him with Michael Vigazo as Frank Pentangeli, which I think it's like.
0: I really like that. I like character. that character as well. He's, no, I don't mind that change.
1: He's kind of like an asshole, but kind of like cool. I, I like the whole thing with like. But he just his brother shows up, and he's just like, oh, I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't know,
0: don't know nothing about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would have been nice
0: because that's the young Clemenza in the flashback in the Vito story. Mm-hmm. So that would have been nice. And then, again, another parallel, but it makes it more, you know, poetic that neither are about in the present day, but that they built this thing together. Yeah. But no, I like I like um, the new guy. Sorry, what's his, uh, like his name? Michael Vigazzo, Vigazo. yeah. He's great. He just reminds me, like, again, maybe a reason I like this movie a lot, although part one hadn't. In that it just reminds me of like where my parents are from a lot. reminds yeah. me of Madeira a lot. Like all the <laughs> early stuff in in Italy. it looks just like Madeira. And the way people dress and the way they act. And Michael Vigano, like literally like one of my drunken uncles. The way he <laughs> talked, the way he acted, yeah. he goes up to the band and makes the scene at the communion. It it's just like I know that dude. I know it really well. And I just thought it's that not something Clemenza had or mm. it was uh, it's something this guy had.
1: Yeah, I think like Clemenza was an interesting character, but there were so many characters that were getting knocked off that you're almost not sure Clemenza was gonna get knocked off and stuff, and it was just kind of odd. Like it's hard to get invested in him in the film, even though he was like, you know, always kinda nice to Michael and stuff, but you just never knew if Michael was gonna like who Michael was gonna kill and turn on. I mean, they even sort of make this weird, you know, sort of Mention of that as well, like you know, Pentangeli says something about like yeah, like someone said something about Clemenza passing away. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't, you don't think it was too much of you know a heart attack or something, you know, like might have been something else, like you know, oh, so it's like, like no heart attack, yeah, yeah, it was just like <laughs> it's like you know, Clemenza is going to die. Coppola's mentioned that the scenes depicted yeah. in the Senate committeeing an interrogation of Michael Corleone and Frank Pintagli were actually based on the Joseph Vellacci federal hearings and that Patanjali is like a Vellacci figure. I was looking into it. It's pretty funny. Joseph Vellacci, he was this foot soldier uh, and a made man in New York for the Gino crime family. So one of the five families in New York at the time. And mm. he was the first member of the Italian American mafia to properly acknowledge the existence publicly of the mafia and he's credited with popularizing the term "Cosa Nostra," so that whole trial and everything was uh, took place because he and his boss, who's uh, Genovese, like had basically like both gotten arrested over some like heroin charges or something, and uh, he was like, <laughs> af- he was afraid that he was gonna get like murdered by his boss because his boss gave him the kiss of death. And oh, no. he was in prison, and while he was in prison, a uh, inmate came up to him, and he thought he was like a hitman, and he thought he was going to get murdered, so he killed this inmate, <laughs> and then he was given a life.
0: <laughs> and he just like I got that book for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was given a life sentence, or he was even maybe fearing that he was going to be mur- like you know like, given the death penalty, so he uh, ratted on the mob. And because of this trial, he exposed the entire hierarchy of the American Mafia, including the five families and the Mafia governing body that consisted of the five families, the Chicago outfit and the Buffalo crime family that was called the commission. So everything that Mm -hmm. they knew about the history of the Mafia and the hierarchy and everything was because of this.
0: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: And that's like exactly what they're mirroring. Yeah. And there's a lot of mirroring Mm. and stuff of like things in real life. Obviously, you know, we're getting into Lee Strasberg, who plays Hyman Roth, the whole Hyman Roth character being in, uh, you know, Cuba. And a lot of that's like based on a mobster named Meyer Lansky. And Lansky was instrumental for developing the National Crime Syndicate. There's a lot, he had a big empire. And uh, basically, like, he. Claimed in the film that, like, you know, we're bigger than U.S. still. And that was, like, a direct quote that Lansky gave to his wife. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, like, a, it's interesting. There's a lot of these, like, characters that, like, were based on real characters. But also, like, you you know, you had the whole Cuban revolution going on during that scene. You had a lot of allusions mm-hmm. to uh, Kennedy. Like, the Kennedy assassination. Kennedy
0: and Ketra. And even, yeah, yeah. even
1: how Hyman Roth was killed in the film was, like, the way... Jack Ruby, killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Like it was just like a lot of mirroring of those things, Mm. which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So Lee Strasberg, who played Hyman Roth, he wasn't necessarily like an acclaimed actor. He had done some acting and stuff, and he was retired at the time. But he was actually like (laughs) the biggest, you know, acting coach, like a teacher. One of the most famous acting coaches. Yeah, yeah. Like him and like
0: Stanislavski and all that. And he's mm. fine in this, yeah, yeah he's, okay. he's not that great in this yeah. movie. I always thought that funny. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. he's fine. Not that standout. Yeah. Pacino would fucking act in circles around him.
1: Yeah, which it's funny because Pacino is one of his students.
0: Yeah, weirdly <laughs> enough. But like, I get it. One yeah. of the people that brought the method to American, obviously very important.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I can't remember who it was. That wanted, it one, I might have been Pacino. Pacino was going to bat trying to get him into the film, and like, I think. Strasburg like didn't really want to do it because he was retired and then they finally (laughs) talked him into it by having like a conversation with Carmine Coppola I don't know
0: but like he's taught literally be your most famous role (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's
1: he's, uh, basically one of the biggest method acting uh, teachers out there and he's taught people like James Dean Marilyn Monroe Dustin Hoffman Jane Fonda and then also Al Pacino and Robert De Niro so yeah Mm -hmm. Um, originally Coppola wanted Elia Kazan to play the role of Hyman Roth, who turned it down. That would have been cool too. Uh Coppola remembered that when he visited Kazan to ask him to be in the film, Kazan mm. like had his shirt off and his chest was bare. There was no chest hair. So in an homage to Kazan, when Michael goes to visit Roth, Roth has a bare chest. But later in the film, you can clearly see that he has a nice plumage of grey hair on his chest. <laughs> and to that Plimage. I say Plot hole. Watch out put the plot, plot hole. No. <laughs> In a plot
0: hole. <laughs> this movie. The plot hole or a snack time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was going to say Michael's seen eating a uh, orange, you know, when he's plotting to kill Roth. Snack time. I'm desperate for good times, although it seems hopeless. But if we have a snack time, our hope will grow. oh, oh. It's Snack Time. time we'll grow, oh, oh, it's Snack Time. It's snack time. it's snack time. It's Snack Time. We'll grow, oh, oh. It's Snack Time. Phil, you don't have any snack. No. Did you see how Michael was eating uh, that orange? It's fucking bizarre behavior. Yeah, it's weird. it was Hole. He like, hadn't cut uh, Ed into. It.
0: Eating a sandwich. Yeah,
1: he hadn't cut into yeah. it. He just ripped off some of the skin, but there was still a lot of skin on it, and he's just eating like. Mm. It's like if you open he's off.
0: Like, he's like sucking the sliced it out. Yeah. Through this one hole. It's
1: like it's like having a hard-boiled egg, but only taking a bit of the shell off and just like you know just. Like, I don't know, tonguing it sure. or something. Ugh. Anyway, tonguing i got. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've got um, something that you should have taken, and um, if you listen, you listen back to the first episode. Um, something I was telling you to oh take yeah. back then—delicious, chewable vitamin C. Your vitamin C is my those snack.
0: Look massive. <laughs> Are they chewable?
1: Yeah, nice
0: chewable, delicious chewable vitamin it. C. Fucking, I'm like a choking hazard.
1: Yeah, I love these things. They're great. They're almost like weirdly salty, which is strange. But yeah, nice. orange flavored. Take them every day. How many day. can you take it though, though? One a day. Just one? One a day. One day.
0: Unless you want to get Maybe crazy. Two a day. I don't know. Get crazy in vitamin C, OD.
1: It, I mean, it's it's like a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. So I don't <laughs> know if you want to take that too much more. Is that enough?
0: That's, I mean, that's, too late for me. a lot.
1: <laughs> there's no point yeah. done why don't you have a snack
0: because I haven't left the house in like three days <laughs> <laughs> you know usually it's very last minute I'll watch you yeah. and be like okay yeah yeah, give me something but it's like you know I'm technically and
1: to be honest um, I was I was hoping I this was going to I did have an idea
0: off. but I just didn't want to
1: uh, I was hoping this no, was going to I
0: have no basis
1: yeah and that was because I also, even though I was out last night and I went to the shop, I completely forgot to get an orange. That was always going to get anyway. Um, and I forgot. So yeah, were
0: always going to get an orange. We did the
1: chocolate orange. Oh, yeah. well, no, I was no, going to get an actual, orange, an actual orange. An actual orange. But yeah, the last one, the chocolate orange, that was the best. Oh, an actual
0: orange. That was the best. An actual orange. Sure. That was good. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, I mean, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Like, you know, <laughs> snack time's stupid. Orange and the earth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? How dare? time is great. You, Michael I know that.
1: Yeah, he's eating the snack. He knows. Um, he had the. He eats it very weird, but he's eating it again.
0: Another reference. He eats it like Justin, Burri- Justin burrito.
1: Justin burrito.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber eating a burrito. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and Google it.
1: I'm gonna he eats up. it from the middle. And mm.
0: it looks fucking weird man! What a weirdo! You know, like, that's weird, right? And that Al Pacino. Al Pacino and Justin Bieber are like Ed Miliband. How
1: is he eating that orange that way?
0: ever said that. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: how? Wait, did you just compare Ed Miliband to Al Pacino? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, do you think this is just a running thing with the family? They eat oranges weird or they play with their food, which, you know, end up fatal. Yeah. I mean just saying. If if one of them just got taught I bet Tom Hagen knows not to eat an orange. If just one of them eats an orange properly, you know, maybe they would not die.
1: Well maybe he maybe Tom <coughs> tempted fate fan, by the time the, the third film came around, he tempted fate and decided to eat, you know, the orange wrong. I don't know.
0: Maybe he ate the pay- he ate the paycheck that they were trying to give him.
1: <laughs> that. There are a lot of uh a lot of orange- oranges in this film again. Like the senator is framed for murder after playing with oranges at the Corleone house. Johnny O'la brings an orange into Michael's office before the attempt on Michael's life. Don Finucci eats an orange oh, yeah. before he has gone down. And Michael Corleone is eating an orange while plotting to kill Hyman Roth. Uh, which is the <laughs> aforementioned gross way of eating an orange? Don't eat an orange that way. Uh, the Fruit. young Vito Corleone Fruit. buys oranges from a street vendor shortly prior to plotting the assassination of Don Vincenzi. And old Vito, of course, uh, if we go back to the last one he's uh, he dies after he's eating and playing with oranges in his mouth with his grandson. So mm. yeah, fucking don't yeah. do it. Just eat an orange. That's like why an I don't eat person. oranges? Don't play with it.
0: <laughs> your mic your microphone like a bit too close to the orange for my liking and uh, it's making me it uncomfortable that's
1: not an orange <laughs> it's not an orange right, to wrap up here we got you know a couple of other people very interesting in this film we have gaston michon from milano calibro 9 is playing don fanucci aka the black hand i was reading about the black hand they're He's actually such a piece of shit. the black handers were a real thing. Like it's just that they weren't actually, they weren't linked to any real affiliation or uh, to a criminal organization Mm. or anything, but like uh, they were still out there and they were still uh, terrorizing and intimidating people and just did a lot of nasty stuff to Italian immigrants in America. But Mm. that all led to the belief that the uh, immigrants had that, an organization actually existed and thus the folklore existed about the black hand. So <laughs> it's weird. interesting in the young Vito storyline. So you get Bruno Kirby. He plays the young Clemenza Bruno Kirby, which is my fun to
0: see. I love Bruno Kirby.
1: And then we had, no, uh, we were, we were talking about Frank uh, Servio is the guy with the eyebrows and poofy hair and stuff. That's <laughs> Genko. Yeah. So he, I guess he's running the olive oil company. And then John Aprea mm. plays the young Tessio, who later would be a pagoda in the first film. Uh, we get mm. Joel, Joe Spinell is playing Willie Chichi, like which is great. Like Joe Spinell's, like you know he was in the Rocky film. Rocky. He was in uh, Maniac, yeah. like a crazy, crazy character actor. So it's always funny to see him. A young Danny Aliello is playing Tony Rosado. That was hilarious. And then also oh, yeah. a young Harry Dean Stanton popping up as the FBI agent as well. That was funny. Mm-hmm. And then if you look real closely, you'll see Roger Corman playing one of the senators at the hearing, uh, which is funny because that was just a nod to yeah, basically. Yeah. Coppola obviously was one of those many people who, giving
0: them all jobs.
1: <laughs> one of those many people who learned a lot from Corman and Corman, just like, you know, getting his payback, uh, getting to be in the film. The Godfather Part Two was shot between October 1973 and June 1974, shooting in multiple places, including Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, in place of Cuba, and Forza de Argo, as the Sicilian town featured in the film. It was the final major film to be made with Technicolor's dye inhibition process until the film stock made a short resurgence in the 90s, so it's technically kind of like the last major Technicolor film last of an era let's get to the music so the original score was composed by nino rota and conducted by coppola's father carmine coppola Mm. who also provided some of the original music as well uh rota expands upon the three themes from the first film the godfather waltz michael's theme and the love theme they come back into this film but just like in different ways and love theme i think is uh in the flashback sequence so he just like expands upon them and just Mm. does some different things and then there's some new things new themes for uh several characters including immigrant theme and a new carpet which are used during the veto sequences which (laughs) i feel like they sort of carry most of the film
0: yeah could i think with essentially silent or in italian yeah
1: yeah yeah (laughs) Uh this score would go on to net Carmine and Nino Rota a, an Academy Award for Best Original Score again though Finally. the last film we mentioned no. the Nino Rota it was refused an Oscar for reusing the main theme to Godfather as it was previously used in an <laughs> older film that he scored but he does bring that oh. theme back a bit in this film somehow he wins an Oscar I don't understand I don't, I don't understand Maybe it's because he slightly changed it.
0: Dude, like, my favorite bit, he does like a child version of the Oh yeah, they sing when the Michael song. Michael is talking.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I really like that. Yeah. He brings it back in the in the third film as well, because doesn't Anthony, like as an adult, sing it in like sort of an opera way? Mm. Like, oh, it's great. I learned this song from, it's an old song from Sicily. <laughs> oh... <coughs> uh. <laughs> That was pretty good, dude. <laughs> Despite the issues with Pacino freaking out, it seems like the production was relatively smooth for Coppola. Paramount wasn't too happy, though, with the use of part two in the title, which was the first major US motion picture film to ever use a part two uh, or just to be called what two. What was
0: wrong with part two? I don't know.
1: They just, they basically they were initially opposed to the idea believing that the audiences just wouldn't be interested in a. St- Addition to a story that they had already seen because it had never oh, been done. Before. So they
0: wanted like a different title, yeah, like Son of Godfather. Yeah,
1: but uh, <laughs> <Okay>. but Coppola <laughs> prevailed, and you know the film's success began the common practice of numbered sequels. So it's yeah. I mean, yeah, also we talked two, about it:
0: Rocky Three, Rocky Four, yeah. Rocky five.
1: <laughs> but we talked about it how like you know he made sequels more of a commonplace with this film, but also the fact that a sequel could be something more than just a retelling of the same film mm. like as a cash in it's actually like expanding upon the universe mm. only 3 weeks prior to the release though film critics and journalists pronounced part 2 a disaster they uh, basically said that the cross-cutting of Vito and Michael's parallel stories were you know judged too frequent and not allowing enough time to leave a lasting impression on the audience so Coppola and his editors returned to the cutting room to change the film's narrative structure but they actually didn't complete the work on time. So they left, I think some of the final scenes just kind of poorly timed and, uh, some of the scenes in the opening mm-hmm. as well. So it's just like, it's funny. I don't know. I, I guess it's, you know, one of those things that some people will like or d- don't like. I mean, for me, like I said, mm-hmm. like I found the second film to be a bit more of a, a, a drag. It's great, but it's, a, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. slog at times. Um, mm-hmm. but whatever Godfather part two was released in December, 1974. It didn't quite match the success of that first film. It earned about 47.5 million in the US and Canada and around 45.3 million internationally by 1994 for a worldwide total of 93 million, which was far less than the first film. Oh, man. Which is crazy. On release, critics were Mm. split on the film with some dismissing it altogether and then some calling it superior to the first film. Uh, Vincent Canby viewed the film as stitched together from leftover parts. It talks, it moves, it fits and starts, but it has no mind of its own. The plot defies any rational synopsis. I don't, I don't think that's fair at all. Roger Ebert awarded the film three stars out of four. And he wrote that the flashbacks give Coppola the greatest difficulty in maintaining his pace and narrative force. The story of Michael told chronologically and without other material would have had really substantial impact, but Coppola prevents our complete involvement by breaking the tension. Though he praised Patino's performance and he lauded Coppola as a master of mood, atmosphere, and period, Ebert considered the chronological shifts of its narrative a structural weakness from which the film never recovers. I weirdly sort of slightly agree with ebert <laughs> fair enough it's it's like
0: i think the biggest its biggest draw is its biggest drawback at the same time like yeah for some people it will be the thing that holding it from being as um good as the first for me it makes it better i love the dawn storyline and i yeah. think that's what makes the second movie work i don't think i would be as interested in just a straight up michael story mm-hmm. um but i think it just adds pathos to both sections of it i just I, I love it i really do i thought it was a really interesting choice um but yeah i don't know maybe it would have done better if they had just gone the more uh linear route yeah so like other than anything wrong with that. I still like your idea as well. Of just doing the old Fido story right in between. Do a 2.5, a 1.5, <laughs> 1.5 yeah. situation, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: It'd be great. Yeah. Um, you know, Bad grandpa,
1: on 0.05, <laughs> 0.5. 47. <Like> why? Yeah.
0: <laughs> just finish the movie once.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gene Seaschool gave the film three and a half out of four stars writing that it was at times as beautiful as harrowing and as exciting as the original in fact the godfather part two may be the second best gangster movie ever made but it's not the same sequels can never be the same it's like being forced to go to a funeral for the second time the tears just don't flow as easily that's an interesting way to put it as well that's a that's (laughs) a nice
0: way of putting it i would i would adapt that to other sequels but yeah, yeah, it's not the same. And this film knows it's not the
1: same. Yeah. It
0: doesn't try to be the same. It mirrors things, but it doesn't. It's a completely different story and a different movie entirely. Mm. Um, I think it's very aware of that. And maybe that's not what people wanted.
1: But, you know, later on, it would be the subject of critical reevaluation evaluation with many, you know, regarding it as one of the greatest films of all time. A lot of. A lot of times mm-hmm. uh, the two films were stuck together as kind of like people would talk about it like, you know, as a pair one and, two, and they wouldn't one and two. really like, yeah. you know, give the second one enough credit. And I think nowadays more people are talking about the second one on its own as being its own separate thing and how it is just one of the greatest films ever. And, you know, despite despite not being, you know. Better than the first film at the box office or even getting like the reviews maybe that the first one did. It bested the first one at the Academy Awards by fetching 11 Mm. Academy Award nominations, winning double the amount of its predecessor with six awards, including (laughs) Best Original Score, which I already mentioned, Best Art Direction, Best Adaptive Screenplay, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Robert De Niro, making he and Brando the only two people to win an Oscar (laughs) playing the same character, and lastly for Best Picture, the first sequel to win Best Picture and held that distinction until The Lord of the Rings Return of the King won it in 2003, but The Godfather and The Godfather Part II remain the only original film and sequel combo to to both win Best Picture.
0: I don't think I'll ever be done again.
1: I don't think it's. I don't think it, it will either. I to mean, be that like, good
0: twice in a row. Yeah, it'd be really hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really hard to do. <laughs> well, that's it. Turned into a mamma jamma without even realizing that it was going to. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, you can catch The Godfather Part Two and The Godfather. You know, if you want to see that. Screening from 4K at the Prince Charles Cinema the, the Godfather screens on The 26th of February, the 1st of March And the 10th of March And The Godfather Part 2 screens on the 5th The 11th and 23rd of March And hey, if you want to see it as well The Godfather Coda The Death of Michael Corleone That's screening from 4K as I might well Might as well finish it on the 12th of March. So you can come see all these at the Prince Charles cinema tickets are available at Prince Charles And like I said, if you haven't had enough of us talking about the Godfather, you can catch our episode on the first film in the archives, episode 42. The link for that will be in the description of this episode on your podcast player of choice. And if for whatever reason, you still want to hear us talk about the Godfather part three. Well, Phil, what, what, what do you say to that? off the of part three no.
0: No. <laughs> no no i'll do it fuck it. Yeah. after watching this one i was like fuck it, yeah, i'll do three. yeah that was
1: actually me the other you day know, like, I, was like,
0: they,
1: I was like i was eh. like i like i want to finish
0: and i want to and i really want to do coda i really want to see what what's different what it changes if it really more, if it's more of the thing he wanted to do could the original kind of underwhelming
1: yeah
0: um but not to fucking spoil my content. <laughs> but what, how about this? One day. I mean, what episode number will this be? Do you know?
1: This is this episode will be one thirty-one, one hundred
0: and thirty-one. Jesus Christ! Nearly a hundred episodes between part one and part two. <laughs> yeah. So it, it. Let's just say it won't be another hundred before we talk about it.
1: (laughs) Or we can do...
0: Actually, no. It should be an even longer break. It will be at least (laughs) hundred. I don't know. I'm not going to promise anything. I don't care. But, like, you know, the break between part two and part three was, what, like 10 years? 10, 15 years?
1: Yeah. I forget. So so we'll see you guys in 10 years. It won't be that
0: long. (laughs) 10 years? Cool. Where we... You know, it's about our kids. Yeah, our
1: kids are carrying on the podcast. Now we might have kids by then. Yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm. I feel like I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm not had kids yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're only a few years older than me. Yeah. You got it, man. You got time. It just. It would just be the kid being like, "I don't want the podcast. <laughs> I don't want to don't wanna do this." <laughs> and then we're just like, we open that old dusty drawer Uh, you know we pull out (laughs) we wipe it down (laughs) the horse's head and then we give our kid the horse's head yeah that's how ruthless we are
1: you don't want the horse's head that's
0: just that's what it's just what comes with being the godfather yeah the godfather
1: (laughs) we're so full of ourselves now, (laughs) calling ourselves the godfathers of podcasting am
0: i wrong am i wrong
1: I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, you let us know. Do you think we're the godfathers of podcasting? Do you want to hear uh, Godfather Part 3 before a 100 episodes or do you not care? Let us know at the PCC Podcast on Twitter or Instagram or hey, you can pop us an email at I like to read out what you guys got to say. You can see the return of a little bit of user feedback if you guys hit us up sometime soon. We'll read it out. It's always fun to hear from you guys. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, next week, I don't know Phil and I if you guys scream at us enough, maybe we'll do Godfather Part Three. Uh, it won't be next week because uh, we will probably record an episode before this. Let episode this one comes sit out. for a while. Yeah, let it sit for a while.
0: Because people might not like it. Yeah, with love. You know, <laughs> weird joke. Yeah. we had to one up it in one way. It wasn't the same as episode forty-two, yeah. and it can never be. It can never be. You know, yeah. it's like going to a funeral twice. Yeah, the tears. You know, <laughs> They come, but they don't mean it. Much. They don't yeah. come immediately. And that's what this episode was like.
1: But next week, ladies and gentlemen, something different. we're getting something different. Something very different. We're going to be living in each other's lives. Mm. You know, we, we've, we've had people in our bodies for a while. And now it's time for us to experience each other's bodies. Uh, Phil and I are going to go get some Chinese <laughs> food. <laughs> and... When we're getting Chinese food, we just may or may not open up a magic fortune cookie, which may or may not cause us to swap bodies.
0: Swap bodies. Maybe, maybe we're pissing in a fountain and it happens. <laughs> or maybe we run at each other full speed. I forget what the rules are. Yeah, what are, we'll
1: the, rules? <laughs> what are the rules? What are the rules? The That's the name of this. We'll find out. That is the name of this. Uh, this new what season. Are the rules? What are the rules? The ultimate body swap season. For the next four weeks, we're going to give you guys fucking body swap movies. We're talking some very, very fun films. Four films that are top-notch, weird body swap films. Uh, Two of them you guys are going to probably love, which we'll start with those. And then the next two are going to be probably shite movies. Maybe we'll mix them up. I don't know. We'll see. But... Starting out Mm -hmm. from the top, hot out the gates, is literally what I just described. Two people go to get fortune cookies at a Chinese restaurant, and uh, they're magical fortune cookies, and they swap bodies. We are, of course, talking about Freaky Friday, (laughs) which is going to be so fun. So if you want to get into, you know, some Lindsay Lohan playing a fucking rocker chick. And yeah, we are talking about the Lindsay Lohan version.
0: Don't forget Um, your pink slips. Yeah, not the Jodie fuck. Yeah,
1: don't forget your pink slips. We're going to hear some very fun, angsty rock and roll, some punk rock, uh, some dyed hair, just 2000, mid 2000s goodness. Uh, Christina Vidal is in that as well. Fucking brink shout out. Uh, And yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, oh. Love James on top, top form. Top form. Yeah. So yeah, I can't wait for that and also for the next few weeks of just dumbass films that are coming your way. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me at tall for all T-A-L-L, the number 4 A-L-L, on Twitter and Instagram. Phil, where can people find you?
0: I'm at Far Away Dad on Twitter and in real life um, and not like, like <laughs> that. <through language.
1: laughs> so you are at home. <laughs> you literally are. Yeah, I'm, I'm at, at home. home. <laughs> yeah, I'm on
0: yeah, just doing my usual. Yeah. Just trying not to die.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, wish Phil well. And uh if you don't What don't? Phil, what what are they gonna get if they don't wish you well? <coughs> what are they gonna fucking get? <laughs> the goddamn horse's head. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective. Home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, a Drip Town Maine, main, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at Patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs is more than a podcast network, it's family.